0: Guys, welcome back to the Pop Culture Podcast. Tyson Popplestone here. Episode 30 coming at you today. Mate, we're making tracks. That's what I'm saying. We're flying through. It felt like yesterday. We're at episode 1. Today we're mixing it up again with a chat. It's an interview. Not just me ranting at you for an hour. We're bringing in a, a, a little bit of intellect, a little bit of intelligence, so yeah, a little bit of charm. And if you're on YouTube, some real good looks. His name is Cade Fallens, and he's a breathwork coach a really interesting conversation. I, uh, I was introduced to Cade through a, a mutual friend of ours, Matthew Power, who's been on the podcast. And uh, I was really fascinated to speak to him about this world of breathwork, the benefits of it to our health and levels of stress and overcoming obstacles and why you should do it and when we should do it and how we should do it. And we go through a couple of real practical uh, little breathwork techniques Later in the podcast, but um, overall, it was just a really enlightening chat with a really switched-on unit, really upfront, honest guy. And uh, hey, it was fun for me. I'm sure it's going to be fun for you. So let me get out of your way and introduce to you guest on the podcast today, Kate Fallon. So what
1: are you going to tell us, tough guys? It's my usual, zero, nothing. <music>
0: Mate, yeah. sorry, before your, um, your, your staffy was rude, just interrupted me. We were saying that a, a mutual friend of ours has, uh, has, has introduced us to each other, or he gave me your number, and he goes, mate, reach out to this bloke. He's, um, he's right up your alley. He's got a really good story to tell, and Pelly knows how. I'm, I'm super into the breathwork scene, or uh, don't know a whole heap about it, but super fascinated by it. He goes, uh, have a <clears throat> chat to him. And so I reached out and, and sort of pumped to to touch base, man. But but as a, a little bit of a get to know you, obviously, I've uh, I've only known you for forty seven seconds now. Give us a give us a bit of a rundown, man. Like how did you uh, how did you find your way into the the breathwork scene? Because because Paulie was telling me you got a pretty uh, a pretty crazy story about how how you sort of found <laughs> yourself here.
1: Yeah, it's one of those stories like where to begin. But I'd say like, look. I think really, the, the to break straight into the essence of it, let's like just dive in. It's just I was such an anxious kid, didn't have heaps of security in my upbringing, households were a bit toxic, You know, my parents did a good job, they were split up, but we had um, just a few things that happened throughout my life that just amplified the feelings of insecurity because I didn't have security. So I internalized everything and you can picture me as a kid, I was sensitive empathetic, really caring and loving, always thinking of other people and so I took on everything in my environment and it just wasn't super stable and that sort of just, I guess just was allowed to um, culminate and, and progress and, and build up longer, like stronger and stronger throughout my life and there's plenty of things that I could I could tell you about, like one interesting thing is that I was wetting the bed, not until you know you come out of nappies, but I wet the bed all the way through until I was 14. So I was in high school, I just like exemplified so much, or amplified, sorry, more feelings of shame and guilt, all these things. So that was one sort of thing that was going on for me to just show how much stress I was holding in my body. And really this all comes back for me to stress. And a lot of it's just internal self-imposed stress. And you sort of fast forward throughout life and there's ups and downs, there's turns around um, and we can get into heaps more of it, but just to sort of bring this uh, point home before I ramble for the whole <laughs> hour, we, um, a good friend of mine who I'm now working with introduced me to the Wim Hof breathing and so he'd just gone and done his instructor course and he, we went on. Do you know Manly? Yeah,
0: yeah, pretty well. I know Manly and uh, and what is it? The Key. They're the two places in Sydney I know. Oh yeah, <laughs> on the ferry. That's
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Good, good Melbourne guys come up for a Sydney trip. 100%, 100%. We'll have to get 100%. you up. Yeah, I, I do love Manly though. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, bro. Keep going though. So we went to North Head and we just went down on the rocks under there and it was just me and him and he just ran me through. We're sitting up on the rock and he's running me through three rounds of this breathing technique I'd never done it before now to to change view slightly I had done yoga teacher training I've done pranayama I've done I've been meditating since I was 18 you know on and off like I was smoking weed and doing chakra meditations and like getting all energetic and it felt amazing didn't know what I was doing at all not that we still do and it got to that point and I was like doing this breathing and like, you know, how, how you do like the round and then you hold your breath. And I was like, oh. At the bottom of the breath, I just sat in that stillness and I was like, oh, it's calm here. And then you breathe in and you bring in all this new energy, all this new air and then the oxygen comes to your brain again, it floods you and you feel alive. That just blew my mind. We did two more rounds of it and I just got deeper and deeper into this feeling of safety and security within myself. I felt home and it was a place that I hadn't really been very familiar with, didn't feel safe or secure anywhere. And then now I was like, oh, we got it. It's calm and it's all within. So from that moment, that was probably five years ago. That's how I came into it. And from then on, I helped out my mate, that same mate, run like 30 of his workshops, just sort of assisting. I'd get, been into ice baths before I found the breath work. And that's a whole other story, which is pretty rogue bit of a cowboy at it and yeah I sort of just helped at the workshops and just took my time I was teaching yoga for a few years and then just once a week kind of thing as I was doing my job I just knew I had this feeling there's like there's something in this that I got to keep doing and I got to keep doing it for myself and it kept me like my fire alive you know and this fire was something that I hadn't really you know had much of that fire is confidence it's in the belly it's like self-determination and worth And I didn't have that from anything else until I did these sorts of things. But I do things slowly and like carefully, you know, I'm indecisive. So I tiptoed around doing yoga for a few years. And then, well, actually COVID shut down the gym. This is sort of semantics. But basically, this past year, I quit my job, took my hands off the steering wheel and went, all right, universe, take me. This is a leap of faith. I know I'm not supposed to be working this job. I got depression from it, like in my gut. I would do my practices every morning, get rid of that, show up. I was running a bunch of restaurants. And from that, I just got shown again. It's like the universe like banging on the door, being like, this is not for you. And after that, I sort of spent you know, this last year doing a whole bunch of things, um, ended up getting married and doing some really good things and then it came back to the breath work and i did i've done two instructor trainings so i'm certified in two different types of breath work and now for the past few months i've been sharing it with the world and nothing has felt better to me
0: now that's a nice that's a really nice introduction one of the things that uh that matt the the bloke who introduced us for those of you listening and missed that at the start had mentioned to me was was you running a little bit of this training down along the uh down along the foreshore there in manly it's interesting man because i think you're definitely not unique when it comes to the story of of trying to navigate your way through stress and anxiety as a young guy it sounds like maybe the way you you'd internalize it impact you in a like a fairly embarrassing way especially in your teenage years Mm. it's not not a cool one to be able to tell your mates about when you're a when you're in in high school but it's something that um i've certainly had to navigate that scene and and a lot of what you just explained to me man like it, it really resembles some of my journey i think i was a I think I probably live up the other end of the spectrum to you. Like I look at people like you, and I go, okay, well, this is how I need to take some more steps in my life because I'm quite all right. There's an idea, all right, let's just have a crack, see how it goes. Some of my closest friends are a little bit more, uh, more well thought out, a little bit slower to to implement their ideas, a little bit more cautious, or a little bit more careful. And uh, and as a result, like uh, it's probably not a surprise that when you look at the work that a lot of you guys do, it looks a lot cleaner, looks a lot more impressive than uh, than the attitude that I took for for so long. But uh, but but that that journey through stress and, and anxiety is something I relate to personally, even from uh, probably around the age of fourteen as well. It was mine manifested in um, I was a middle distance runner and, and really keen to you know perform at a high level there. And for me it. Um, I guess maybe a control thing sort of took the steering wheel and, and I took it out on food. And, um, you know, I was, I was quite obsessive compulsive and um, like I was maintaining my weight, but, but I think it was, I was like borderline anorexia. You know, I was on the, I was right on the brink and, and seeing some counselors and things through that. Mm. But at a young age, it's strange, huh? Like you, you've got no real tools, especially if your family's not um, sort of locked into that, that particular scene, which is amazing as my family are. Uh, it's not necessarily there's something they're interested in. So my mum was panicking. It's like, all right, he's not eating, he's not gaining weight. he all he does is run. <laughs> we've got to get him some counseling. And it's interesting, man, and, and and something that I'm definitely grateful for now. but as I as I sort of reflect back on that journey, there's been a a number of things from well, exercise and meditation and and as you say, the the breath work which has really started to open my eyes to how much capacity, there actually is to be able to tap into like an element of peace and an element of calm uh, but, but as a young guy it's, it's something that you don't really know exists so did you sort of did you stumble upon a couple of uh, different field? I'm guessing yes based on the fact you had your yoga teacher training like was there anything else that that sort of opened your eyes to the fact that all right there's actually a there's a way to channel myself through or there's a way to get through this challenge that I'm in um, but what nothing quite registered as effectively as what the breath work did for you.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, through high school, I mean, it's not an answer to your question, but we took it out the wrong way. We got a lot of rage, a lot of anger, a lot of fights, a lot of breaking of the law, graffiti, all these things, and a lot of drugs. When I came out of school, it was kind of like the gates opened. And now I was free to explore this world without bounds, which is exactly what school and leaving school does. (laughs) And it was around that time, because I remember I was like 18 or 19 and I started meditating. And look, I don't know exactly what brought me into it, but that was around the same time, I think I started sort of really uh, critically thinking about the world, questioning things, how things are, why we're here, what we're doing, what am I, where did I come from, where do I go? I started questioning all these things as soon as those gates opened from the school. And so I dove into a lot of research for a number of years, and the research was around spirituality, religions, and the the roots and the origins of religions, and, you know, into the universe and space and metaphysics and geometry, and... And also into health. And so I think all those things, it's sort of... It's like this avalanche just came down on me. And was like, here is all this new information. Now try and figure out what's useful for you. Because as you're saying, it's different for everyone. Everyone's on a different path. We've all been through different things. We're all holding on to different stories from our past. So then our futures look different as well. Because we're usually looking through the lens of the past into the future. And so... Yeah, I'd just say, at that time in my life, I just became aware of that there is a lot of other ways to address problems and and things. Although there was a time when I was about 20 or 21 when I became quite depressed once again. And I actually went to the doctor, and I remember sitting in the doctor's room. You know, there's no walls. It's like old, like, yellowy-orange room. And this doctor's sitting there, and I'm like, I just... I just don't have much will to live. I just don't know what's like the point of this, you know? And this was all the same things. This was the second time it's happened to me. The first time was at 14, once again. At 14, I was done with living. I was like, I didn't hate myself. I just had no like reason to live. I just went numb. I went hopeless and helpless. I just didn't see what was going on. Like, well, why? Why I was here? What was the point? And it was just a very uh, cold existence, very hollow. And now I can look back and see that that happened then. And then we went through and rage came out and then I went back to the same spot again. And I went on antidepressants for two years, sorry, two months, two months. And then something clicked inside me. this voice in my brain is just like, dude, what are you doing? Like, and, and all respect to anybody taking medications or whatever, everyone's on their own journey in different times. But for me, this was the point where I went, Dude, what are you doing? Why are you taking this pill to make you happy? Let's find it within. So I stopped taking the pills because I had this spark within me. This light came on and went, let's live. What can we do is spread love to the people around me. Because I had a feeling that the world was a bit toxic. There wasn't too much good happening in the world. So that was obviously, you know, as life is a bit of a pendulum, went from being naive to seeing everything. And now we come back to the middle ground of being like, let's just accept And so, yeah, I sort of um, came to terms with that, came to terms with what I could do, what was like, like my internal locus of control, one would say, instead of externalizing power and belief, I just put belief inside me and I said, all right, let's do this. So I became really happy, became really happy and just started living the way I still live now, just continued on.
0: Yeah, no, that's nice, man. That's nice. It's funny. It's a it's a really interesting story. I think to me the, the most interesting people are the people who have had to navigate some some tough territory. And I, and I understand like the truth is that that all of us have had to navigate tough territory at, at some stage in our journey, but as you say the way you process that information can uh it can, it can either empower you if you if you take the approach that you took or it can it can sort of just make you cynical and and I can say I don't know if you you ever feel like this, but even now I'm 34, nearly 35 and Every now and then I'll still catch myself, even though I'm aware of the power of, you know, the, the the ability I have to be able to perceive the information or to perceive my circumstances in a particular way. Every now and then I'll fall into the trap of, of just becoming a little more cynical um, and, and just assuming that I know the outcome of, of a, a pursuit or an endeavour that I'm sort of taking part in before I'm even really uh, beginning it. So it's it's really attractive to me especially with like a an, an older guy or an older girl who have been through this and they're and they're, they're somehow softer than what they were when they were 25 not harder and more cynical and more aggressive and more angry which um, like especially in guys, for whatever reason we, we I guess naturally um, in a, a culture, which is fairly stripped of like spirituality and um, or, or religion in many senses it's it's maybe no surprise we haven't been given any tools to, to, to try and navigate our way through it and and use it to refine us, but it's uh, it's really cool, man. And one of the guys that, that I think really exemplifies that lifestyle is is who you mentioned earlier, um, Wim Hof. And uh, I heard him for the first time on on Joe Rogan. It must have been maybe around the same time you heard him back in two thousand and seventeen. And it sort of blew my mind because I was I was pretty involved in the health and well being scene, and I was watching what I was eating, and I was looking after my body, and um, but the idea of breath work, the idea of actually being able to change your state simply through your breathing was something that not only had I not been exposed to, I just, I'd never even really thought about, you know, this, this thing that is just constantly working in my body, this breath. And, uh, and, and he was, uh, around that time, he released a couple of YouTube videos and like a guided 10 minute breathing session to, sh- to show you how to do it. And I tapped into that a couple of times and man was mind blown, maybe, uh, I guess mind blowing is, is probably the right description for it. It, it. it sort of just it blew my mind that I could change my state in the way that I felt in such a short amount of time with something that's not external necessarily, uh, something that I can I can just tap into. And um, mm-hmm. I'm really keen to to talk to you about this breathwork, man, because as I mentioned to you at the start, I uh, I've been fascinated in it probably since then. And, and still, man, like I live across the road from the beach and, and every morning start my day just with that Wim, Wim Hof process. And I can't even really put mm. my finger on exactly what I like so much about it, apart from that calmness that comes out of it. And, and sure, you can break it down and, and explain that a little more, and I'm, I'm sort of really keen to hear you do that. But, uh, but what, what is it, do you think, that, that people are finding so attractive about this breathwork scene? Because I, I reckon maybe he was the guy who brought it to my attention and to millions of others um, but it's almost, it's, it's definitely not mainstream yet, but it's, it's, it's on the way to becoming a little more mainstream. I, I've never heard of breathwork till I was sort of 29.
1: Yeah. I met someone the other, the other night and I told her I'm a breathwork facilitator and she just looked at me <laughs> she's like, breathwork?
0: It's a fair it's like, response. <laughs> and I was like, uh,
1: huh. I haven't had that before. <laughs> I was like, okay, what is breathwork? Yeah, look, man. Like it's a funny thing, because we've forgotten about it, but the ancients didn't. Like, there's you know the 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 seven books in the Chinese Tao about breathing. You know, like every ancient yoga. So every ancient culture knew the importance of breathing as a means of self regulation, and I think that's what comes back to why is it your question of why is it so attractive i think you nailed it it's empowering you've got the tool within you all the time it's easy and it feels really good so the whole thing is like we can break down the science of it and everything but you just got to try it because it's so look the whole thing of like we don't value things unless we earn them and the breath is just given to us it's there all the time it's the first thing we do when we enter the world and it's the last thing we do when we leave the world, so we just go. Oh, it's doing. It's done for us. Let's let's focus on other things, but often it's the simplest things that are the most profound. So, yeah, yeah. what was what was the rest of your question?
0: Man, I was just um, I was just fascinated to find out about what you think it is that people are finding. So. Um, so interesting about it why is it why is it sort of coming to our uh, you know mm-hmm. the public's attention a lot more maybe not this chick who was sh- shocked by your, uh, your statement of being a breathwork coach but but uh, on the whole like I think even my mum she's 63 years old if I said breathwork to her I think she would have some sense of what it is on, Talking about which, if you knew my mum, is a hilarious statement because <laughs> it's not so, spirituality. It's not something she's necessarily that interested in. Um, the idea of exercise and well-being, yeah, she's sort of like she's like she's open to it, I guess. But um mm. like breathwork still sounds fairly woo-woo. But in the sense, it's uh as you say, the ancients didn't forget it. But for whatever reason, in our culture, until recently, it uh it wasn't really discussed or spoken about or understood in in any way. So I was curious just to you know mm. to 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 find out about the kind of people who are coming to you and and asking questions and trying to learn this and and what is it that they're trying to navigate through through like a practice in breath work?
1: Mm. Yeah, beautiful. Look like, it's fascinating because you get a lot of different people coming through and they're always curious. And as you've just said again, it's like if I was to go around and tell everyone to go and do a colonic, a lot of people are going to go, oop. No, because that's something strange and it's something you haven't done before. But you've done breathing all your life, so you're just changing it. You're just changing a dial you've already got. So it's something that people are familiar with, and in that way, it's kind of a, a universal language. And I think that's really important because fundamentally, it speaks to them. Until you, well, once you get through that sort of mental block of going like, I know how to breathe. You know, the ego has an issue with it, it wants to stay constant and the other thing that i find, think people are really attracted to this practice for or because of is the relief from stress yeah. in modern life stress has just increased constantly you know you look back in like caveman days or the story of tarzan you know he's got stress in his life but it's a lion chasing you yeah. and like any other animal in the savannah the lion chases them across The Savannah and if they get away hopefully they do and they get safe they shake off the stress dogs do it all the time they'll do it when they're happy as well they shake off the stress to finish the cycle what we do as humans because we're so smart we hold on to it we don't let go of the stress so we hold on to it so then what happens when we go into these breathing states if we're doing things like Wim Hof or holotropic breathing or rebirthing or any of these sort of really immersive techniques That basically induce like a non-ordinary state of consciousness through what's happening in the brain and the the gases in the blood. You get this chance where your, like the prefrontal cortex, your human brain, where all of our conditioning is, our stories, and hence our identity, which is sort of those things together. We think we are all these things we've been. That comes offline we go back to just the mammalian brain, which is a very feeling-centered social social hierarchies. But we get in tune with our feelings, without the, the judgment and the inner critic and the rational thought around it. We just get to feel things. And that provides this space for feelings to come, to arise and be processed when we give it permission. So these feelings can come out and come through. And that is something that no one can deny feels good it might be a bit scary at first maybe there's some processing but when you have a weight lifted off your shoulders you're dreaming it's amazing so i think that the stress regulation is really something that has you know just moved up and up on the scale of um you call it arousal for the nervous system like your phone's beeping all the time we get on the phone as soon as we wake up and we go oh you know the mind starts racing and being like these things i gotta do and look at that person look at what they're doing oh my god i'm criticizing myself all these things people beeping at us there's bloody helicopters going over everything's going on so there's more stress so i think that there's just more need for this yeah for sure Now that's
0: a great answer man one of the things i wanted to, to touch on that you mentioned was just the way that that you know a lot of us navigate stress In uh, in 2015 i went over to um it's a long story, I'll cut it short for the sake of the podcast, but I went over to the Himalayas, man. I was there for a month and, uh, and doing some mountain climbing. I went up a couple of different mountains and uh, we had a Sherpa with us, Mingma, the, the whole time. And Mingma had climbed Mount Everest seven times. Um, and his life, was, his life was just this, this climbing. He would take people like me, absolute muppets in the mountaineering scene who had no idea what they did, didn't know what crampons were. Didn't know what the best food was. Didn't know, you know, much at all to do with uh, to do with mountain climbing. But um, but, dude, when I was there, one of the interesting things was uh, as we were walking. I said, mate, like everyone here seems so relaxed. I said, I don't I don't think I've seen you upset the whole time you've been here. And uh, I go, mate, like back at home, one of the one of the things that I experienced quite a lot is is just this stress, like not knowing what to do with these feelings and frustrations and he goes, mate. Well, look at the way look at the way that, that you know a lot of Westerners live their life. They'll go into an office at nine. They'll stay there till five or six. Um, they might have a couple of negative interactions, and what do they do? They go back to their computer. They go home. A lot of them, you know, sit down, have a meal with their family, go to bed. Repeat. He goes, like, where is it? Whereabouts in that do you get rid of any of the stress that you're feeling? He goes. The reason that I look so relaxed to you is because I do feel stress. I get frustrated. I get pissed off. I get angry. He goes. But mate, try being angry for long when you're when you're on your feet seven hours a day, sort of walking fifteen k's through mountains. He's like, your body can. Your body seems to just blow off a heap of that steam just through through physical exercise. And uh, it's interesting that you mentioned just the dog's natural ability to be able to shake it off because I think just even through eliminating exercise and eliminating that physical movement from our lifestyles, accidentally in a lot of cases. Um, yeah that that ability to cope with stress it it just doesn't seem to to really be there anymore it's uh it's fascinating man and i guess like that breath work it is a it is a real physical practice though you're you're sort of sitting down it's uh it's maybe no surprise that uh that you feel so good at the end of it But, but what's interesting to me dude is um i've heard people speak about and i don't understand this so feel free to correct me uh, I've never tried. I do. I'm very uh, like. I've tried. I, I tried a joint once on my thirtieth birthday. That's my. That's my dabble in the world of drugs. I'm a. I'm a pretty clean kind of student. Do you know what I mean? Um, pure blood. Yeah, yeah. Pure blood, bro. Pure blood to an extent. And uh, uh, I remember. Um, what was I going to say? Ah, I've heard people explain that breath work, uh, If you do it to an extent, it's almost like a, a natural release of of that uh, dimethyltryptamine or that DMT. And I was doing a breathwork thing, man. And I actually I've been doing it longer than I realised now, because this was before I went to Nepal in twenty fifteen. And I remember laying on a laying on the floor of my mate's house, and we were doing it together. And uh, I got I got through like stage three or four of the breathwork, and then I sort of I held my breath. But then I almost you know when you're a kid and you make your face go really red. I sort of held it, and I, I sort of just I just pushed and made my face go a little bit red. And I feel as though that was part of the course. I don't think I was making it up. And do it. I felt like my I just got shot into this different world I was like, oh my gosh like something happened where it was it was like a mini trip do you know what I mean is that a, yeah. is that a common experience in the breathwork scene because for me as a bloke who's never tried DMT or acid or, or any of this stuff I go hang on a second mm-hmm. like I feel like I can relate a little bit to what people are talking about because that sounds like what you've explained to me um you know yeah. through your own little trips is, it, is that an experience that you've had just through the breathwork yeah
1: that's so crazy that's why people, like, they say, don't become a bliss junkie. Or, or Wim Hof says, get high on your own supply. Yeah, yeah. So you're 100% spot on. And look, man, like, I don't know much about breath work, but I don't think anyone really knows what's going on there properly. So even, like, the Wim Hof Method, there's, like, in my, in my knowledge, there's a, there's a few unknowns. And what's happening there we might say something like that you're tapping into the brainstem and that's releasing something, you know, he reckons that maybe, and this is again un um, unproven might be able to release um, stem cells. Stem cells can be released through this breath work, but <clears throat> to come back to what I do know, what's happening there, I'm just drawing something from my own brain. Um, what's happening is what I was saying before where, you're playing with the carbon dioxide and the oxygen levels and what happens is that that prefrontal cortex that part of the human brain comes offline because you're not getting as much oxygen to it through doing hyperventilation which is essentially what this breath work does you're blowing out a lot of co2 and you're also bringing in a lot of new energy but you're getting rid of it because you're breathing out of your mouth so you're dumping more than you're getting in and That essentially they found, like, Stan Groff is a guy who uh, invented holotropic breathwork, which is very similar to the Wim Hof breathing, you just don't stop. It's all sort of in the same boat over this end of the spectrum of breathing. Because you've got functional breathing over here, which we can talk about as well, which is a whole different story. So they found, like, Stan Groff was one of these guys who was part of all the CIA LSD trials back in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. And he... He was part of that and what they sort of noticed was that what's happening um, when they're having these psychedelic trips, the breath is changing. So then he went off and spent a lot of years with his wife developing this breathing technique that could mimic the psychedelic effects. And I don't know heaps more about it than that, except that what's happening in the brain is you're bringing that, call it also the default mode network. So basically, your brain loves efficiency, it loves doing things it already knows how to do. That's why people get stuck in like traumatic uh, PTSD, loop cycles, or whatever else, or limiting beliefs, all these different things. And the beauty of psychedelics is it opens the whole brain up and all these new pathways. And that's kind of what's happening through the breath work as well. Because you take a, take a, a moment without that, so you have this moment of clarity and feeling, and then back to that point of what you said, when you're taking that big inhale, you're then flooding your brain again with oxygen. There's pressure in your chest, which then releases up into your head as well. And that is like this, this burst of life because your body's like, yes, I got it again. And so it's like euphoria. Yeah. And that's where my knowledge ends. <laughs> Whatever happens in, in that world, that's, um, it's almost so beautiful I don't really want to know because I just want to take people there. Yeah, that's interesting, yeah. man.
0: Is that something that a lot of your clients, that they actually do experience? Like I know, it could. you say get high on your own supply and I can see how it gets super addictive. Like I could see how, how that little pro, I want to do it again. I'm thinking maybe when we end this recording, i go have another go. <laughs> just because it was interesting. But I, I reckon as a as a way of introduction to the breathwork scene, that'd be a pretty crazy experience for a lot of people that, that might get them back again. So is, is that something that people who are working... With you, um, a, a sort of experiencing.
1: Yes, yeah. for sure. Yes, and that's where what I'm doing and working with Breathless and my good friend and mentor Johannes Egberts. It kind of everything we've just spoken about over here is kind of this like wild world of breathing. This is like the immersive breathwork techniques. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got the scientific world where it's like treating asthma, stress, anxiety, things like this. And this is a Russian guy, Buteco, he's been doing this for 60 years, again, without going into it. But what we try and do here is get people on this spectrum and bridge this gap between spirit and science. And within that, you know, everything requires balance, right? I believe balance is critical to life. Life is a dance between making it happen and letting it happen. Uh, down to, you know the attraction between masculine and feminine poles the same as two atoms bouncing around I think everything's got balance and um, that's that pendulum I was mentioning before these are some fundamental beliefs of mine and so within a breathing practice I think it's really important not to be chasing that high too much because otherwise what are you you trying to get out of it you're just trying to get high you're trying to chase something and you don't really want to approach things like that it can for for a while because it's fun but in a sustainable sense you want to be doing something where you're not really getting you don't want to aim to go so far whereas you're having that huge blissed out experience but you want to do it sustainably over time because that's when you're going to be sustainably releasing stress and opening up space for your body to process things that it previously hasn't things that it's storing and so our breathing sort of programs what we would be doing is introducing these sorts of things as a peak experience and then you got a formal breathing practice where like every day for a while you're doing some sort of breathing whatever it is some pranayama some alternate nostril breathing some box breathing maybe a little bit of super ventilation, but not trying to go really deep into that dmt yeah, land sure. as you've experienced um, because eventually that stops working as well you'll find when you do, like we've all done it. As soon as we start doing Wim Hof breathing, we do it every day. We all do it. And you do it every day for like a few months and then it kind of stops working because for whatever reason, you've like, you've used up, you've become desensitized and um, familiar with it. You've adapted to it. So that's the whole thing about balance. Just bringing it in for these peak experiences where you put it, do it really intentionally and you sit there and you go, all right, I'm doing this because I want to release. I want to give myself space, time, the right environment and really drop in and almost treat it as a bit of a sacred ceremony. That's more how I do it. You know, It's a special time you're spending for yourself, a bit of self-love and self-care. Yeah, beautiful, man.
0: You mentioned the uh, the alternate nostril breathing. This is something that I'm fascinated about because outside of this, I've got, a, um, I've got a running channel on YouTube and, and the most popular video there is, it's called How to Breathe When You Run. Um, nose Breathing versus Mouth Breathing. It was sort of inspired because you might know him. I had James Nestor on the podcast like a year and a half Did ago. You? He's the author of a book called Breath. Yeah. I'm sure you're aware of it for anyone who doesn't know. And uh, dude, I was so out of my depth talking to him. And it was, it was just a, it was an enlightening conversation. And, and one of the things that he was big on is, is breathing through your nose. And he's explained the reason for that is obviously um, from a running sense he was saying one of the mistakes that people make is they just assume that in order not to get tired you just need more oxygen he said but then your body's got to try and absorb that oxygen and one of the beauties of breathing through your nose is it helps filter out the you know any pollutants that might be in the air but it also warms up the oxygen so that when it hits your lugs it's at like a right temperature to to help be absorbed and I thought, man, this is such a fascinating scene. And, and then he started to unpack a little bit how you can develop your, um, y- your ability to breathe through your nose. Because every second comment on this YouTube video that, that I posted is, oh, dude, like my nostrils are actually quite blocked. Um, I can't do alternate nostril breathing. And, and James mm. Nestor was explaining, he goes, mate, what, what you'll notice is just like your, your abdomen that, that goes untrained, like that nasal tissue can be developed and can be strengthened through practice. He says, so what a lot of mm-hmm. people do is they'll try and breathe through their nose. They go, oh, okay, I can't do that. Obviously, I just need surgery. He goes, and in some cases they do, but in most cases what they need is is just a practice of breathing through their nose to develop that tissue so they actually have more of a capacity to do it. But I was just curious. Mm-hmm. So so for people who are in that category and could benefit from, you know, well, first of all, I'd love to hear your thoughts on nose breathing, but second of all, could, could benefit from, nose breathing like is that something that you agree with that practice and that development of that that nasal tissue because i finished that podcast i thought man i've had two sinus surgeries when potentially i could have just adjusted my you know adjusted my diet which i did and that made a massive difference Mm -hmm. with allergic to dairy (laughs) and uh and then um just doing a little bit of training but it was something that never sort of been explained to me before that we had the capacity to open up our nose and, and develop that is that is that something you're sort of fairly familiar with
1: Yeah, I think that's really beautiful. And I think you've perfectly segued into this other branch of breath work for breathing, which is this functional side. It's like how do we achieve optimal health and optimal performance through optimal breathing? Because the breathing is the foundation of our health and of our performance. It's how we get oxygen to the right places. It's how our body finds balance. When our body is in balance, it's in ease. It's also not in dis-ease. So, yeah... I haven't had much experience personally training people to open up their, like physically open up their nostril airways. But the thing is, you can train yourself to need to breathe less. Mm. So he's, he's obviously spot on the money and nose breathing is it. Like when we're doing the other breathing, when we're going in the nose, out the mouth, that's for half an hour. You want to focus primarily biggest thing is on how you're breathing for that other 23 and a half hours a day including when you're sleeping so nose breathing is it the be all and end all and you want to be breathing less most people say hey like you know how much how much is uh how much should we be breathing and most people say more we should be taking deep breaths we should be breathing more no we all breathe too much perfect breathing is unnoticeable it's light slow and it's deep in the diaphragm so with the nose yeah it's just like it's beautiful and a lot of it this development happens in the very early ages and i know james would have spoken about this because they did a lot of research into it and like you know our ancestors skulls are like completely different to ours Their, their jaws are nice and wide and the nasal cavity is like wider and bigger and it allows more um, air to flow in through the nose so it gets filtered, all these things. The other cool thing that people can do is just get these um, nasal dilators. So as they're training themselves up, you put it in there. It looks like you've got a little ball ring, like the piercing, oh, yeah. and it just goes there and it pushes them out. So if you do this when you breathe...
0: Uh, dude, I do that feels all the time because, yeah, my right nostrils. So, so whenever I do this, I feel like a new man.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. The other thing... You know, before all of that, just to, you know, a nice little um, skill that people can use or a little technique. There's, um, this is all from Patrick McEwan, who is the founder of Oxygen Advantage. Have you heard of him? Maybe.
0: I'm, I'm thinking of a YouTube channel. I, don't, I actually don't know that it's called Oxygen Advantage. Actually, I think, is he linked in your your Instagram profile? Because I've definitely heard the yeah. name. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yes, I'm not making stuff up. It's not who I thought it was, but I know who you're speaking about.
1: (laughs) So James did some work with Patrick. So Patrick's sort of um, flying the flag for this Buteco method I was talking about from this Russian doctor who's been doing this for years and years. And this is all around this functional breathing. So he has these nasal dilators they sell on their website. And they... um, He's got, they've they've got a lot of techniques for asthma sufferers and for congestion and anxiety, all these things. So one of the things they do, which we could do now, if you're having a blocked nose, the worst thing you can do is breathe through your mouth because then it stops that pathway. So if you've got a blocked nose, you want to keep trying to breathe through your nose. But there's one beautiful thing that happens from breathing through your nose, which is that nitric oxide pulls up in your nasal cavity And when you breathe in, you breathe that nitric oxide in. Nitric oxide opens your airways and dilutes your blood vessels. It's actually what Viagra is. Viagra was actually first created and given to people as an experimental medicine or drug for cardiovascular health. And all those people didn't give the pills back. because they loved what the results were. <laughs> so then the pharmaceutical companies go, well, we can make money from this. Let's sell it as the uh, penis uh, large Oh, <laughs> That doesn't sound
0: like pharmaceutical companies.
1: <laughs> That's it. So Dude. nitric oxide pulls up. So when you, so take a breath in with me now, just a normal breath and then let it out. And at the bottom of the breath, You hold your nose so no no breath goes out. And then we've been talking a lot, so just nodding your head, won't be able to hold for too long. This gets a bit of movement happening. And then you breathe in through your nose. So you do that like, say seven times max, but it should start working after a few. That movement combined with the holding of the breath and the pulling in of of, uh, nitric oxide as well as the buildup of carbon dioxide. These things open your open your whole face and mouth and lungs and the blood vessels in your lungs, and you, it's it's a vas- vascular uh, health as well. So all these things happen because you're increasing the carbon dioxide and the, and the nitric oxide. Interesting, man. And so what's with the head movement? A, a really what does this sort of, what is that part of I think of it? it's just, I don't know for sure. I think it's just a bit of movement. Yep. So it's sort of, if there is mucus in there, it gets a bit of movement, you get a bit of blood flow. Yeah, but it's it's profound. It's amazing. Yeah, man. Like my not wife gets a lot of sinus congestion, and she just like she loves this. She swears. Dude, by I get a lot of it. sinus? It's a really congestion good way to show as well.
0: Yeah, like I've got. I don't yeah. know if it's like I used to always just blame allergens, and and I'm sure that has something to do with it. But I noticed years ago I I had an allergy to milk, which I I sort of mentioned briefly. That was the that was a funny story because i I I was getting ready for a third sinus surgery, and I was constantly on antibiotics and. The doctor that i had yeah. been going to was like, "Yeah, dude, unfortunately, this is just something you're gonna to have to do." And I remember sitting there, going, "This is such a weird experience. Like, I've had this twice before. You're saying I'm gonna to have to just keep doing yeah. it." I was like, "What are you like? I can't believe how much I'm paying you to to give me this advice." And my wife's grandma was like, "Ty, just trust me. Um, I reckon I reckon you should get off dairy for a month and just see if that makes a difference." And I was like, "Look, like, I appreciate your help. You're 83 years old. I got a professional doctor. I go, all 'All right, I'll do it' because I don't wanna I don't wanna get this operation." Anyway, needless to say, a month off, and, and I was back, like I was good, um, never had that third sinus mm-hmm. surgery. But uh, I don't know if it's got to do with the fact that, like I've got quite a thin nose, I don't know what your wife's situation is, but mm. uh, there's definitely a time each year where I start to notice I'm having a little bit of trouble. So I, I do like a lot of sinus uh, cleanses, and I've got like one of those sinus-wrenching things that I do, probably not enough, but yep. definitely when it when it starts to get a little bit cloggy, which is, which is really yep. helpful. Um, but another thing that I got and I stole from James Nestor with the idea of developing that nasal tissue is, uh, is I, I now tape my mouth. Should I say I do, but I haven't done it for about a month. I need to get back into it, bro. After, I know from tonight I will. Um, but one of the things that I'd been doing is just taping that up. And, and I don't know if this was placebo and I don't really care if it was, but I would wake up in the morning when that tape was still on. And I just felt like it was a better sleep. I was like, oh, that's, that's how breathing should be. And I'm interested. Um, before I deviate too much, uh, pardon the pun, is uh, to, to chat to you a little bit about um, uh, what was it? Oh, about the uh, like the overconsumption of oxygen, because that's that's strange. James Nestor speaks about how we overconsume everything. We overconsume food. We overconsume TV and technology. And, he goes, but uh, what mm. people don't consider is we also over-consume oxygen. I thought, H- hang on a second, like, how is it possible that we can have too much oxygen? Is that, is that something you can sort of just break down a little bit for me? Because that, that, I'm fascinated by yeah. that um, as being, being a problem. It, it's still strange to me.
1: Mm. It comes back to that beautiful dance analogy. It's, it's, the breath is a dance, and it's between these gases, primarily carbon dioxide and oxygen. And the body's smart, the body's beautiful... So it holds on to oxygen in the blood, basically 98 to 99% saturation of oxygen in your hemoglobin all the time. And now every time you breathe in and out, at the bottom of the breath, your your body is basically, the impetus to breathe is the increasing carbon dioxide. So that's the waste product that comes out of the cell after the oxygen goes in, carbon dioxide comes out, the body feels that carbon dioxide and goes, oh, let's breathe again and, get a fret, and let go of that and then make sure we get some new air in. So it's really about carbon dioxide, that is the gold. Because the more you can build your tolerance to carbon dioxide, the higher threshold you have so you can hold more of it in your blood. And when it's in the blood, it's offloading more oxygen. So you flip it and you go, when we're hyperventilating, we're breathing out lots of CO2 so the CO2 drops so the oxygen stays in the blood, doesn't go anywhere. And that's what most people do when we breathe a lot, we're breathing out CO2. So then we sit there with oxygen, just sitting in the blood and it's not getting anywhere it needs. That's where panic attacks come in. People are hyperventilating. That's where, you know, when, when you have a panic attack, they give you a brown bag and you breathe it in. You're breathing in your own CO2. So then you get CO2 rises get blood back to the brain come back to rational thought you go oh it's all good right so that's kind of this dance and we just we just don't know that we're just not taught that you know so we think that by breathing more we get more oxygen but no the, the body's smart it's got it in 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 there all the time but we just need to learn how to utilize and get it into the um yeah, utilized. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: beautiful man. Like, and how are you doing that for yourself? Obviously, you're you coaching it, but how are you? Have you got a daily practice that's the same each day, or is it something that varies? What is your your sort of daily routine look like with the uh, with the breath work?
1: Yeah, good question. I think variety is the spice of life, but consistency also builds habits, which build character. So I'll go through periods where I'll do like a thirty day reset. And we'll do sort of the oxygen advantage training where we're just learning to breathe really light, slow and deep, basically breathing invisibly and also doing a bunch of um, these, it's basically simulated altitude training where I'll run around holding my my nose and holding my breath and you're running around and then you breathe in and it's like this big rush. All of that is designed around increasing CO2 tolerance. Mm. So then you need to breathe less in everyday life. The other parts of the practice would be taping my mouth at night which is for anyone at home that is the number one thing you can do to improve your health because you get deeper sleep and more rem sleep and how you do anything is how you do everything how you sleep uh, sorry if you do breathing practice through the day and you breathe really well during the day and then you go to sleep and you're like <laughs> it's going to undo what you do it's going to undo all that good work so tape your mouth is the best thing to do it feels weird at the start it'll come off for a while first week might get it on once and then slowly it'll stay on and they say it you know after 30 days you re- reprogram the habit and you'll keep your mouth shut but i do it anyway that's awesome man i sleep with an eye mask on ear plugs in and a and mouth tape oh, dude
0: you're, you're switched off you're good yeah i'm gonna do that we live on a we live on a road that gets a little busy from time to time and the mouth tape does nothing to block out that noise, so I reckon, <laughs> <laughs> I reckon I'm going to get some earplugs myself. Um, yeah, dude, yeah. I noticed that. Like, that's definitely what I noticed. I feel like I have a deeper sleep. The only reason I stopped using it yep. is because I lost my tape and I've been lazy. But I, I definitely yep. notice when I wake up, I go, "Ah, that feels that feels fantastic." Yeah, buy a few packs. Yeah, bro. No, I'm 100 yeah. going to do it. Actually, one of Powley's mates, um, Liam Jones. I don't know if you know Liam. He's he's uh, got he's got a, no. a roll of tape next to his bed as well. Uh, inspired by yep. James Nestor, man. But but dude, we've got a few minutes left. I could talk to you all afternoon, but as I said, I'm trying a new program here. They've given me a free hour. So I'm just nervous that if this uh, if this conversation goes over an hour, they're gonna delete the podcast and go, mate, you know, give us all your cash yep. otherwise we won't give it back. But dude, is it like a simple little practice you could take us out on? Even just like a two minute um, that someone could yeah. implement just to get a bit more of a taste for, for what it is that you do?
1: For sure, yeah. And I think the the practices we first spoke about, this sort of super ventilation, these um, deep immersive practices, I won't do here because we wanna make sure people aren't driving or doing something and you know all that sort of stuff. We wanna do it in a safe environment where you're laying down with some space. So what we'll run through is something that everyone can take home, which is a very, very simple practice. And it's actually probably one of the best practices you can implement. It's simple and that's why it's beautiful. It's bringing the heart and the brain into coherence. And it's also bringing the breath into a more regular pattern. So what we're gonna do, so you want to close down your eyes if that feels comfortable for you. You're firstly just becoming aware of your body and your posture. You're sitting up nice and tall, the long spine, bit of loose spine. Your chest is proud, your shoulders are soft. Your belly is soft. That's it. And you're just meeting me on an exhale, so just letting the breath fall out. And then we'll breathe in for two, three, four, five. Out, two, three, four, five. In, two, three, four, five. Out, relaxing the body and the shoulders four, five. In, you feel your side ribs expanding as you inhale. Out, two, three, four, five. In, feel those ribs expanding, four, five. Out, bringing softness to the shoulders and the body, four, five. In, two, three, four, five out, two, three, sinking into the bottom of the breath. In, two, three, filling up, out, two, three, four, five. Nice, normal breath in, normal breath out. So that's a really nice way just to reset and come back to center super simple you can do it anywhere anytime and it does bring your heart and your brain into coherence gets your breathing um, <clears throat> six breaths per minute which is optimal yeah awesome bro think we're think we're right on the that's dot that's awesome man
0: hey thanks for stopping by dude we'll, uh, we'll do this again
1: mate appreciate you appreciate you having me on your podcast and it's really nice to meet you